presentation up here on the on the platform. She always does an outstanding job celebrating fathers everywhere. I didn't know that her father and her served in uh, um, one of their deployments together. And there's a picture of that up here that's just so grateful to see. This morning, <clears throat> the sermon is about lifting the veil. And right now, you might not understand exactly what I'm talking about, but I hope by the time I get done, you'll have a much better understanding. I was going to prepare a moving sermon about Father's Day. And I had gone through some of my records, and for the last couple years, I had presented a Father's Day message. So I decided I would let the fathers off today and uh, move on to another topic that uh, pretty close to my heart. And it has a lot to do with uh, mission work and uh, staying focused. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it reads, We all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Is there anyone here who enjoys driving in downtown Chicago, Detroit, even Grand Rapids at 5 o'clock traffic? Setting on a major highway, bumper to bumper, traffic is congested, construction zones are everywhere, cones are everywhere, workers to the right, but here you are, stuck in the middle of that mess. And it might just be snowy, or it might be 90 degrees. Congestion is horrible. It's frustrating. People hate it. You can see stress on people as they grip the steering wheel. They're white-knuckling it, making unflattering gestures, and setting their jaw. Traffic is stopped. No one is moving. The snail waves as he passes by. The roads were not designed to handle that many cars. There is nowhere for them to go. So anyone and everyone sets and waits in frustration, stress. All the clutter is keeping you from getting to where you want to go. Congestion stinks. All the clutter traps you in place. Many churches are trapped by the same kind of clutter. Stopped in their tracks by human congestion. Spiritual movement is stifled, and instead of moving forward with a powerful purpose, they are standing still and just burning gas. Congested churches are full of some of the same people. I'm not talking about the absence of new people, although many times that's telling in itself. I'm referring to people staying in the same place, unchanged, unmoved, and unwilling. People that stop being transformed week after week, month after year, month after month, and year after year. Many people are the same stagnant believers that they've always been, and congested clutter in the churches go hand in hand. And that's a hard thing to say, and that's a hard thing to listen to. I get that. 
Many of these people are sadly stuck in the same place they've always been spiritually. And there is no intentional plan to move them forward or even a desire to move forward. God's word assures us and paints a picture that is much different in regards to spiritual growth. According to scripture, believers' life is to be transformed more and more. People are not supposed to remain the same. There is to be a progression, a movement, and a growth in becoming a godly person. Churches, by design, are not to be filled with people who are becoming more, are to be filled by people who are becoming more Christ-like, more loving, more giving, more joyful in everything. Being transformed. And that means moving the veil of who we were to who God wants us to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, We who with unveiled faces all reflect the God's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Apostle Paul is taking the Corinthian church back to Moses' day. He says when Moses would walk up Mount Sinai and meet with God, he would be transformed by God's presence. In these encounters where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and the instructions, everything powerful happened to the Israelite leaders. An aura, if you will, surrounded them, a glow, when they would go up the mountain. Every time Moses went to meet with God, he came back glowing. Every time he was in God's presence, he was transformed. He looked different. In fact, the first time that Moses came down from the mountains, the Israelites were terrified. The change was that remarkable. So Moses began to wear a veil over his face when he came down from the mountain. And we know why he wore it. To cover the fact that glory began to fade as soon as he left God's presence. I want you to get that. If that's the only thing you get out of the message today, that's it. To cover the fact the glory became, began to fade as soon as he left God's presence. Isn't that so real for all of us? As soon as we walk out to church, we fall back into some of our bad habits. Things that we normally wouldn't do. Things that we would not talk about in this church. And I'm not condemning anyone. We are human. God gives us that grace to get past that. With every step Moses took away from the mountain, the glory, the glow would decrease. Moses had a veiled face, but we have unveiled faces. We as followers of Jesus do not have to wear a veil because the glory isn't diminishing. In fact, the opposite is true. The glory is ever increasing. And why is that? The answer is because we never have to leave the presence of God. We never have to come down the mountain. Because the mountain is in us. The glory comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We take it with us, or we should. 
This is a gift from the cross. The relationship that Moses had with God, we don't have that relationship. Our relationship is actually better. God is with us always. God, Moses had to go to the mountain. Because of the cross, we don't. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says, We are in the new covenant that brings righteousness. The old covenant brought death. Moses had to climb up Mount Sinai to meet with God. We don't. His presence is inside us, and just as God transformed Moses, he transforms us when we place ourselves in his presence. And we do that when we do that. We let our light shine like the aura that Moses had when he came down from the mountain. The word transform is written in the passive voice and present tense. Here's what that means. The passive voice indicates we are not transforming ourselves. God is. In the present tense means the transformation is taking place right now. Not just the past transformation, but an ongoing one. Changing right now. Your transformation that started years and years and years ago should still be continuing today and should continue tomorrow. It's a lifelong journey. The word transformation is metamorphosis, and it means to change the essential nature of something. It's real change. It's change to the core, inside and out. It's the word we use to describe a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. The nasty, wormy, creepy crawler becomes a beautiful butterfly. Aren't we like the caterpillar becoming a butterfly? At one time, I was a pretty good, creepy crawler. <laughs> but God help me. God deserves to bring his people through this metamorphosis process. He wants the people of the Bellevue United Methodist Church to be shaped into his image, and he wants to do so with ever-increasing glory. That means he wants us to do, be more like Jesus today than we were yesterday, and a little bit more tomorrow. Congested churches, churches caught in the clutter, are the antithesis of God's plan. Here's the $64,000 question. Since God is the one who transforms his people and it takes place right now, what's your part? And what's my part? And I think another good question is, are you willing to walk up the mountain? Are you willing to sacrifice something in your life for eternal life? Tough questions. What did Moses do to be transformed? Moses put himself right, he put himself in the right place at the right time to be transformed by God. 
He discovered the place where God would move in his life, and he went there. When a church has a powerful purpose, we understand the essential truth. When God meets people in just the right place, transformation occurs. Changing the lives of his people is expected, and people begin to move toward greater levels of commitment. The veil comes off. The old person that we're hiding behind becomes open, and the veil is removed. God's glory is reflected behind that veil. And as people are transformed with ever-increasing glory because God's Spirit is working in their lives on a daily basis, not occasionally. When people leave this place, when they go to be with the Lord, they no longer have to cover the fact that the glory is temporary or external. The glory comes from within. It's eternal. And with unveiled faces, his glory shines in increasing ways. The opposite of freedom is congestion and clutter. It's being hemmed in by exterior road construction, stress, noise, chaos. And instead of moving forward, we get stuck in traffic instead of moving in the way, the truth, and the life. Churches that are moving forward, growing and impacting this world with the light of Jesus Christ have figured out the most effective ways for people to meet and encourage those people to minister with unveiled faces in the world. And this encouragement is a part of real discipleship. There is not only one minister in this church. There's 120. And growing. We're all ministers. Faith comes by hearing the message of Christ, and people cannot hear unless they are sent, unless they are willing to go, as it says in Romans 10. Churches that are alive with purpose embrace the truth both in their community and around the world. Here I am, Lord, send me. It's not just what Isaiah was pleading. It's the plea of all unveiled people who are ever increasing in the love of God. Missionaries have answered the call in preparation to go behind the veil in Muslim countries. We have missionaries serving right now as I speak in some very dangerous places. And why do they do that? To reflect God's glory in the darkness and in the darkest places. We need to pray for our missionaries and to get informed, get involved. Go on a short trip to anywhere to do any kind of mission work. Be a partner with Jesus and a who's who. For Jesus has called the externally focused. If you remember a couple weeks ago, I said, God chooses you first. 
You don't choose him first. And quite frankly, I always thought that was the other way around. And I'm so wrong. But that focus also needs to impact Bellevue, not just around the world, but around the block. And I think we do a good job of that here. But we can also do more with even more creative missions. When the external focus becomes an inward focus, welcome to a congested traffic jam, standing still, going nowhere, no one gets to go up the mountain. I don't want that to happen. I want this church to continue to be a big part of this community and even in greater ways. Here's another question to contemplate. If this church closed tomorrow, what would be the impact to this community? Dead or stagnant churches that begin to focus on pleasing people instead of purpose-driven ministries do not bear fruit. Traditions cannot be changed or examined because upsetting someone becomes more essential than doing what is the most effective and spiritually correct. That's why Paul said in our text, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers his heart. 2 Corinthians. A veil covers his heart. The Israelites would not let go of tradition of the law, even when the glory of God's Son was in their very presence. No wonder we are reminded where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. I believe the most effective process to set people free is to introduce them to the mercy of God, connect them with others in relationship through fellowship. In churches that are congested, that's hard to do sometimes because we already know each other and sometimes we become closed-minded instead of open-hearted. And the best and the most supportive relationships are when the news of mercy is shared by a leader who is a recipient of that same grace. That's why leaders in the church are so important. And that's not just the chair and the co-chair. That's every member of the church. As Christians, we are leaders in this faith. We need to share that faith. Leaders who help people find the place of ministry because purpose-filled internments of grace, so to speak. People who help people meet with God. And then God does the transformation so that they can in turn meet people in their place of ministry and so on and so forth. The cycle continues. Moments take place with ever-increasing glory. We all have a moment in our life, every Christian, and you remember that moment. We all have only so much time and energy. If you are afraid to change because that's what growth and transformation is, then traditions start to clutter the road lanes 
programs and processes become monuments that block as they were originally designed instead of avenues of discipleship. What do you think would happen if we asked these two questions in evaluating every ministry in this church? Are we introducing people to Jesus? And are we bearing fruit? Churches with a powerful purpose are courageous. They're vital and they're rare. They will ask the tough questions so they can focus their time and energies in the right direction so the traffic can begin to flow, the veil can be lifted off, and faith can continue as God had designed it. In Jesus' name, would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. Help us to lift the veil and let our aura shine in us as it did for Moses. Let people know we are followers of your word, of your life, and of your example. Help us to minister to mission and to walk even closer in your steps. Clear the clutter. Help us to stay in the right lane for the road is narrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Would the ushers come forward, please?